Well, well, good evening. It is it is so great to be be together tonight. I'm so glad for you, to, for you to be here. I know you guys have a lot going on. I know there's a lot of pressures on you and your time. So thanks for spending time with us here tonight. We're continuing the series that we've been in this semester going through the Psalms. And we're going through the Psalms because uh, for many of us, whether you are a, a strong Christian and have been your whole life, or whether you're here and you have questions, you're not sure what you believe, we have a sense that there is something greater than us, that there is that there is this God and we want to know Him or we want to understand Him or we want to have who He is affect our life, but we don't always know how to do that. And so we're looking at the Psalms because uh, not only are they God's Word that's spoken to us, but they're words that are given to us to speak back to God out of His kindness because He knows that we need help. How do we deal with our pain? How do we deal with our joy? How do we deal with our grief? How do we deal with our anger? How do we deal with our anxiety with God? And the Psalms give us words to speak. So what we're going to look at tonight is Psalm 62 and how we learn how to speak to God when our lives feel shaky. So if you have your Bible, we're in Psalm 62 or it's printed on your handout. It would be great if you could follow along with me as I read. Psalm 62. For God alone... My soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion, and the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and it's given to us because of his steadfast love for us. Would you pray with me, and then we'll get started. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful for a chance to be together with these friends, and we're grateful for your word, that you speak to us, and you give us words to speak back to you. I, I, I pray that your spirit would be at work through it even now, so that we might love you more and love each other. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The summer after... Maggie and I graduated from college. We were dating, and she came on vacation with me and my parents uh, to Maine. And uh, one day, we went on an all-day sailing trip. And uh, I was pretty excited that Maggie was coming up. I was, I was like just getting to that point where I was realizing that I might want to marry her. And I was thinking, like, how romantic is this? It's the coast. It's the water. It's the sunshine. It's the sparkly stars in the sky. And uh, you guys have heard me talk about my Knowles course, like I have all these sailing skills that I learned, and I'll be able to impress her with my expedition knowledge. And so she comes out there, and the, and the day that we're going on this long sail is actually, uh, it's actually a beautiful day. 
It's warm. It's sunny. There's a light breeze. But uh, the few days before, there had been this big storm. Uh, and so here's how waves work. Uh, wind blows across the water, and it pushes them into waves, right? And so the more wind there is, the more waves you are. Science. And um, so when the wind dies down, like, the waves keep going, right? And so there had been this, this big storm, this kind of north to south uh, waves had developed, and now the wind was gone, and so there's still these big rolling waves. I mean, these big rolling waves. And we're sailing, and we're sailing south, so the waves are kind of coming from behind us. And the wind is going uh, from offshore to shore, so east to west. So it's coming out on our left. So we're, the wind's coming this way, and we're leaning this way, but the waves are pushing us up and down and up and down, rolling us side to side. And you can imagine if you've ever been on a boat in this kind of situation, what happened. That instead of impressing my future wife with my sailing prowess, I am up chucking over the side of the boat all day long. All day long. And when I look over to Maggie to see, like, what is she thinking? This is so embarrassing. I notice that Maggie is doing the same thing on the other side of the boat. This is our romantic vacation together, okay? And, and I remember, like, the, the terrible thing, if you've ever been seasick, like, it just doesn't go away. The only way you feel better is, like, when you're removed from the situation. And so I remember, like, pulling into the, to the harbor at the end of the day, just, like, lying on the top of the boat, just exhausted, thankful but out of the ways, and just desperate, like, get me to the ground. Like, I want to be on the earth. I will kiss it. Like, I want to be on something that is not moving, that is stable, and that is solid ground. And that's our life every day, Right? That every day there are things that are tossing us around. There are things that are shaking us. There are things that are moving us in ways that make us uncomfortable. And, and we have this desire to get to some solid ground. To get to something stable. To get to something sturdy. The, there's all kinds of things in our lives that, that shake us up. That move us. That toss us about. The midterm grade you just got back. The GPA that you're afraid to talk to your parents about your MCAT score, your LSAT score, the job interview that didn't go so well that you got no call back from, the boy or the girl who just had an awkward conversation with you about how they don't think you're going to be together and now you're just going to be friends and good luck with that, the, the dysfunction and the pain of your family at home, the brokenness in friendships. Some of you don't have anything traumatic going on in your life, but you still feel shaken. Just the, like the normal pressure and stress of day-to-day life at school and work and relationships just makes you craving something solid, something stable, something that is not going to shake you around. And we have this, uh, this sense, we, we believe that if we can just like get that boy to like us and to invite us to that formal, then we'll be solid. If we can just ace the next test, then we'll be solid. If we can just get into the grad school we want, then we'll be solid. If we can just pull it together, if we can just stop hurting, if we can just focus and work harder, we'll, we'll be steady. We'll be solid. And one of the things that we reckon with from Psalm 62, and this is, this is the claim of the Bible, this is the claim of God's word. So, so if you're not a Christian, this is going to be weird news to you. And if you are a Christian, it's going to be a... A brutal and important reminder to you is that steadiness, stableness in the midst of a life that's shaky is only found in God. And the call of Psalm 62, praying Psalm 62 teaches us that when our lives are shaky, we need to trust God. 
And what we're gonna what we're gonna see tonight is this: that you can trust God. We get three reasons from Psalm sixty-two. You can trust God because salvation, and because strength, and because love belong to God. Salvation, strength, and love belong to God. So first, you can trust God when your life is shaky because salvation belongs to God. This is this is what we read at the very beginning of Psalm sixty-two. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my Salvation. He repeats this almost word for word, verses 5 and 6. And 6, he says, He only is my rock and my salvation. When, when you hear salvation in a context like this, there's sort of uh, salvation with a little s and salvation with a big s. Okay? Salvation with, with a little s is, is the sense of that God is the one who can rescue you. That God is the one who can help you when your life is feeling shaky. And this may seem like, yeah, of course we believe that if you're a Christian, but this is actually an incredibly bold claim, that when your life feels unsteady, God is the one who can help you. We tend to have a really hard time believing that. And and if you want to know if you have a hard time believing that in your own life, ask yourself this question. When things get stressful, when things get hard, when things get get painful, where do you turn? Like, What do you do first? Where do you look for help? A lot of us, when we're feeling shaky, we turn to more work. Well, I'll just work harder. I'll just study more. I'll just email that professor and meet with him longer. I'll just solve it. I'll just hunker down and put my head down and never leave the library. I'm going to email every alumni who's ever like, come from this school until I make this thing happen. We're just going to work harder, right? So Some of us, the way we turn when our, when our life feels shaky is... Uh, more of like a distraction. Like I'm going to see if I can watch this entire season on Netflix this weekend and I'm going to have a lot of good laughs and I'm going to just stay in my comfy pants and I'm just going to hope that like I don't think about what's hurting me for a while. Or I'm going to go find someone to hook up with or I'm going to go get drunk on Friday night. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some way to like remove myself from what feels shaky for just, even for just a few minutes, even just for a few hours, even just for a night. Some of us turn to like, this vague optimism where we say, like, no matter what's going on, we tell ourselves and we tell ourselves, like, don't worry, like, everything will be fine. But we don't really know what we're talking about, and, like, maybe it won't be fine. Maybe it won't work out. But we're just telling ourselves it's... Just telling ourselves it's, it's fine. And then others of us, we just get paralyzed. Like, you get behind in class, and so you don't go to the class because you just don't know what to do. You get behind in work, and so you don't write the paper in time. You don't send the email. You don't talk to the... You just freeze, and it just piles on. The water gets higher and higher. Psalm 62 says this, that your first move when you feel shaky is to turn to God. Praying Psalm 62 reminds you that when you feel like your life is unsteady, your first move is to turn to the Lord, the one who can help you, the one who can give you relief, the one who can rescue you. That's, that's little s salvation. Now here's, now here's big salvation. Is it, of course, when we read about salvation in the Psalms like this, what it points us towards is the way that we've been saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That your souls have been saved. That the biggest problem that you have in need of forgiveness has been solved for you, has been gifted to you. You've been forgiven in Jesus You've been saved. So do you want to turn to some homework? 
Or do you want to turn to the God who died for you? Do you want to turn to Netflix or do you want to turn to the God who conquered death for you? Do you want to turn to the arms of someone that you don't really trust? Do you want to turn to the one who says, I will always be with you? Psalm 62 reminds us and teaches us that our first move is God. You can trust God because he's the one whose salvation comes from. The second thing is this. You can trust God because strength belongs to God. In the, in the same phrases that we, I read before about salvation, we read words like this. God is a rock. God is a fortress. God is a refuge. The, the image is of something that is immovable. Heavy, weighty, strong, unbreakable. Do you feel that strength? That's someplace that's safe. That's someplace where there's real protection. That's someplace where my enemies can't get me. David is writing this psalm from a place where like stress is really high. We, you, you can read about it in verses, in verses 3 and 4. People are attacking him. And he says that they're, they're the kind of people who don't just attack him, but they wait until he's already weak, like battering down a fence that's already tottering or a wall that's already leaning. Do, do you know that feeling where you feel like you're not even off the mat yet from the last thing you've been dealing with and you get hit again? Another wave washes over you? You know that feeling? Of course you do. That's, that's where this is coming from. That God is a rock. He's a safe place. He's protection in that kind of situation. And then it's said even more explicitly in verse 11. It says this, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. That's like, I've heard it so plainly and so clearly, it's as if I'm hearing it more than once in my head. That power belongs to God. And, and the interesting thing that happens here is that this power, this strength, this immovability, this weightiness of God gets compared to what the world's perspective is on what strength is all about. Look, look, look at what he does here. This is, this is verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read it to you. He says, Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath. He's saying this, The things that the world says are lowly, the things that the world says are great, they're all light as a feather. The, the way you determined value, the way you determined legitimacy of something in ancient times was with a scale. So if you say you have this much gold or silver or this much grain or this much wool or this much oil and you're bringing it to market, the way to tell if you have as much as you say you have is you put it on a scale, this big scale. On one side, you've got either something of the similar value or you've got some kind of established weight, some rock or something, and you put your wool on the scale and if your wool stays equal or if it goes down, you know it's the real thing. But if it goes up in the scales, it's fraudulent. It's fake. It's illegitimate. He's saying what the world says is small, what the world says is great, they all go up. It's all nothing. It's all worthless. We, we have this sense that God feels a little less real to us than the things around us that we can see and taste and touch and hear and smell. And the argument here is that, uh, no, God is actually more real. He's more real than the chair you're sitting in. He's more real than the grade you got back. He's more real than the job you have lined up. He's more steady. He's more immovable. He's the one that's actually solid. He's the one that actually has power. He's the one that you can cling to, and it's strong enough that when the winds 
and the waters start to shake you, it doesn't move. You can trust God because He is the one who in the scales goes down. The, the word in the Old Testament for glory literally means heavy. Literally means weighty. It's the thing with real weight. And of course, we look forward to God, not just the one who created the world. This is the one who conquered death, who's so strong that even death could not hold him. You can trust God when your lives are shaky because he is the only one who is strong enough to give you solid ground to stand on. And then lastly tonight, we trust God because salvation belongs to him and strength belongs to him. Lastly, because love belongs to him. God is sort of set up here as the opposite of the attackers in verses 3 and 4. Like they're a threat. They threaten and he saves. They're weak and he is strong. They hate and curse. And he loves and blesses. That's what God is all about. That's why the final culmination of this in the last verse is this. Power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. This is the ultimate reason why God is the only one that you can trust. It's because he's the only one who loves you with a steadfast love. And the marvel and the mystery of God is that he's huge and near at the same time. That he's strong and gentle at the same time. That he's mighty and loving at the same time. In our world, the bigger, the stronger, the mightier, it seems the most corrupt, the most oppressive, but not so with God. I think one of the things that seems to shake us the most, that we seem to care most about, that most makes us feel like our life is not on solid ground, is just the complex challenges of the dynamics of human relationships. Like, that's the thing that gets to us all the time. And I can tell you, like, that's the thing that's gotten to me today. That's the thing that's made me need to pray this psalm today. This is the reason why, like, you compete with and compare yourself and are bitter towards your friends that you love every day, even though they're your best friends. This is that like obsession you have with what other people think about you and how that you let that determine how you're going to live your life this is what leads to that fear of being rejected that fear of being alone that fear of being unseen or undervalued or underappreciated this is why it hurts so much when someone treats us badly like these are the things that can shake us and and the truth of the of the message of God's word is that you're you're actually of course made for relationships You're actually made for connection. You're made to desire intimacy. You're made to want to be accepted, to want to be fully known, to want to be fully understood, to want to be fully delighted and fully loved. You're you're made for that. And one of the things we have to reckon with as broken humans is that that is something that you cannot find in another human being. Not fully. You will not find another human being who will know you well enough to make you feel completely known. You will not find another human being who can accept you as you are and not care about your faults and quirks enough to make you feel accepted. You will not, you will not have a relationship with another human being who will delight in you enough to give you fulfillment and joy. You will not have a relationship with another being who will love you perfectly 
who will never stop loving you, who will never stop forgiving you, who will never stop in his promises toward you. You, you can't find that in a human. You can find it only in God. That that actually is the message of the gospel, is that those things are true of you in Christ. That Christ is the one who sees you and who sees you down into your soul, down into your heart. He knows every thought, names every hair on your head. That God is the one who fully understands you and who fully loves you. Who in Christ accepts you, never questions you, never judges you, never is disappointed in you. Do you know that God is never disappointed in you? Do you know that if the gospel of Jesus' blood shed for you is true, then God is not disappointed in you, even in your broken moments? His love for you never fails. You can trust God because he is the only one who loves you with a steadfast love, with an eternal and everlasting love. And when we dwell in his love and when we delight in his love and we live out of his love, that, that's the way when we can experience freedom and confidence in our relationships with others because we don't need them to fulfill us. They never do, not fully. And in the ways that they do, of course, in the ways that we do experience goodness and beauty in our relationships, and of course you do, those only serve as a foretaste of God's love for you. Psalm 62 is great because it tells us why we can trust God, but uh, it thankfully gets practical too. It also tells us how. It tells us how to trust God. And and it gives us two ways. And the the first is this. He says this at the very beginning in in verse 1. He says this. For God alone my soul waits in silence. And then in verse 5, listen to the change of the verb. First one, my soul waits in silence. Verse 5, for God alone, oh, my soul, wait in silence. He's like commanding himself to believe it. He's urging, he's exhorting himself. You know you're supposed to do this. Do it. Wait on God in silence. One of the ways this teaches us to trust God is through silence. Silence is the opposite of working. Silence is the opposite of striving. Silence is the opposite of fixing and solving and achieving. Silence is stopping. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. The way that we kind of have to say to, our, to the chatter in our souls, the same thing that Jesus said to the waves and the storm, hush, be still. One of the things that we have to do, if you want to grow in trusting God, you have to learn how to cultivate silence in your life, okay? So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to try. I want you to go somewhere alone that's quiet, and I want you to bring your Bible, and I want you to read Psalm 62, and then I just want you to be quiet. My guess is that nothing magical will happen if you can be quiet for five minutes or for ten minutes. Stay off your phone for five minutes or ten minutes. Not respond to anybody for five minutes. Nothing magical will happen. But what you are doing is you are living out what you believe is true, that God is the only one who's trustworthy. It's, a, it's an act of surrender and trust. It actually will train your heart to trust. Because in those moments, you won't be doing anything to fix your problems. We have to learn how to be silent. If you want to know how you grow in trust, you have 
to cultivate silence with God, stillness with God. That's the first way that's given to us. The, the second way that's given to us, uh, we read in verse 8, says this, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart. So we have to be silent, and then we have to speak. It, it's remarkable in my life how often, and I'm a person, like, I try to be a person who prays. It's remarkable how often in my life things that happen that cause me anxiety, that cause me pain, and I think about them a lot. And I dwell on them a lot. And they fester in my heart and they create tightness in my chest and exhaustion in my eyes. And I like don't ever tell God about it. I don't ever actually speak to God. I don't actually say, God, here are the things that I'm afraid of today. God, here's what I'm angry about today. Here's what I'm sad about today. Here's what I'm thankful for today. Here's what I'm longing for today. Here's what I'm excited about today in my life. Do you share your heart with God? Do you know that he wants to draw near to you like a listening friend? You know that Christ longs to be the one whom you cry with? We have to learn how to be silent and we have to learn how to speak honestly everything that is in our hearts to God. If you want to grow in trust, when your life is shaky, you have to build your life on something solid. The, the irony of this theme is that this is something that we're actually taught from a very young age. Uh, I'm, I'm going to finish this sermon the way that all great sermons are finished by talking about the three little pigs. You, you may know the story of the three little pigs. Three pigs leave home to find their fortune in the world, and one of them comes across a man who's selling straw, and he buys the straw, and he makes himself a house out of straw. Pretty soon the big bad wolf comes on and knocks on his door and says, little pig, little pig, let me come in. Not by the hair of my chin, chin, chin. I'm not going to give away the whole story. Anyways, the wolf huffs and he puffs and he blows the house down because it's not strong enough. And he gobbles up the pig. Second pig goes out and he finds some guy who's got a bunch of sticks, a big bushel of sticks. Buys them, builds a house. Same thing happens. The wolf blows his house down. Third wolf finds a guy with bricks. And he takes the time and the effort to build his house out of bricks. And the wolf comes and he threatens and he knocks on the door and then the wolf tries to blow his house down and he can't. He can't blow it down. And he can't get in, not without killing himself on the fire. Jesus tells this same story many years before. Here's how Jesus says it. The one who believes, who who hears my word, who believes my word and obeys it is like the one who builds his house on the rock. It's Matthew 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He says, and the winds come... The winds fall and the floods come and the wind blows, but his house is not shaken because it was built on the rock. You need to pray Psalm 62 because wolves are knocking at your door. You feel that in your heart today, the things that are making you tight-chested today, the things that are causing you anxiety and pain and frustration and anger and sadness. Wolves are knocking. Rain is falling Floods are rising, wind is blowing. Psalm 62 says you don't have to be afraid because you can build your life on something solid. You can actually trust the God who saves you with his strength because he loves you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
We praise you as the one thing that is as solid, that is unmovable, that is steadfast. Lord, we, uh, we feel the wolves trying to blow the house down. And we feel the floods rising. And we feel shaken and tossed about by so many things. Would you please convince us of the credibility of your trustworthiness as the one who saves, the one who is strong, the one who has tender, steadfast love for us. Lord, give, an ex- give us an experience, please, even tonight, even as we sing of that love so that we might trust you. And Lord, I pray that you give us the discipline and the courage to make time to be silent and to pour our hearts out to you. Thank you that you long for us to draw near to you as a beloved friend. In Jesus' name, amen.